are in a new series we're starting this Sunday, and it's a Christmas series, and it's titled Holy Moments. The title of it is Holy Moments. And having a little technical difficulty, so switching over into the yeah, I'll pray for those guys. <laughs> you know why? Because nobody ever notices them when, until something goes wrong, yeah. and nobody ever pays attention when everything's right. Right. But you know when the screen just is black, think, something's... Feel that perspiration. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you just have to be present all yeah. the more, right? Come on. You, you came to church this morning because you expected to hear from the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope so, because that's why we're all here. You're not really here to listen to us. You're here to listen to what God has to say about your life, about his plan for your life, mm -hmm. about your future, about who he is in you. Yes. And so here we have, it's holy moments. We're going to be talking the next three weeks uh, about three different types of holy moments that we find in the Christmas story. And it's been said, someone has said, I don't know who it was, but it's been said that life is not really measured in time so much as it is measured in moments. That life yeah. isn't just about time, but it's really about moments. Because when you think about it, you know, you don't really remember everything about the last year. No. <laughs> You don't remember everything about the last month. No. You don't remember everything about the last week or even today. You don't remember probably <laughs> what True. you ate for breakfast. You know, like, what did I have for breakfast? Cake. No. We had birthday cake yeah. for breakfast. <laughs> we did. That's right. I made a, a cake last night. He's like, Let, we had some last night too. Talked her into it. Yeah, Normally like, I get shut down no, on that. No, well, that's, that was my birthday cake. So it was like I couldn't wait to have a piece. But this morning he's like, let's have a piece of cake. It's so, great. Sure we did. We enjoyed it. <laughs> but you don't remember life so much in, in the long. You remember moments of time that kind of imprint your heart. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for example, like, we don't, I don't remember everything that happened this past week, but I do remember a specific moment this past week when we had decided. Mm -hmm. Do you remember mm -hmm. Ziggy, the story about Ziggy? Well, there was Ziggy's brother was also running around the neighborhood. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> And we've never owned, we've never had two cats before. We had a dog and a cat before, but like two cats, I know some of you maybe have four, you're like, no big deal, but to us. It was something. We, I remember <laughs> the moment, I mean, I had put a flea treatment on him days before. It was like, we made this decision, we're going to have two cats. So I remember the moment this past week, we opened the door, it's like, come on in. <laughs> and we named him Midnight, because he's just black and silky and shiny. Oh, he's really a big cat, yeah. too. So He's he was another cat. neighborhood stray that we took in, and um, mm -hmm. they're learning to just get along great together, tumbling around. If you have a couple cats in the house, you know how that could be. <laughs> so, but we remember moments, you know, we remember all kind of moments. We can remember happy moments in our life. We remember sad moments mm -hmm. in our life. You know, you remember the moment if you had a child, like some, the moment of your child's birth is like, oh, I'll never forget that moment. It's imprinted in your mind or, you know, you could remember the day you got a good, you, you had maybe a bad doctor's report and then you went back to the doctor, you got a good report. It was like, you remember that moment mm -hmm. or you remember the moment when the deer smashed into the side of your car and <laughs> you're stuck on the side of the road calling 911 and waiting. I had that happen to yeah. me before. <laughs> you know, you, we just remember happy moments, sad moments like pa Pastor Steve's sister who passed away rather suddenly this past year. You know, you remember those moments when you hear on the phone. Mm -hmm. oh, no. Um, and so the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how, you know, life is not always measured in time, 
But it's measured in these moments that we have and that we remember. And we're going we're gonna to look at holy moments from Scripture. Yeah. The first one today is, we're calling it a holy moment of obedience. A holy moment of obedience. Okay, and the key thought is this. It's up on the screen. You have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience in your life. Yeah, there's a good place to say amen right there. You have no idea what God can do through one moment of your own obedience in your life when mm -hmm. we obey what we feel like he's prompting us to do. And some of you know that. I mean, some of you know that, that because at one time you've been prompted to say something to somebody mm -hmm. or to, you know, to give something to somebody or to do something for somebody. And you did say it and you did do it or you did give whatever it was that God was prompting you to do. And you look back on it and you go, I can't believe what God did set in motion mm -hmm. just through that one act of obedience that I did. And, and then there are other times when we know, we look back, you might feel prompted to say something. You know you feel, or to do something, or to God is saying to give mm -hmm. something. And for whatever reason, it seems too hard to do. It's like we have all this natural thinking that comes in. It's like, ah, I, yeah, but I don't know like how this is all going to work out. And it's just hard for some reason. It's very hard to take that, to take that obedience because mm -hmm. we start thinking about all the details to what it might mean in our life. And that, that act of obedience just seems too hard to do and we don't do it. Yeah. And then sometime in the future... You know, when you've had times of obedience and times of not, you look back and you start to think, I wonder what God could have done. Oh, boy. What did I miss out on? What did God plan to do that maybe he didn't do through me because I just didn't obey? You know, I didn't follow through. Well, that's why today's title is uh, When It's Hard to Obey. <laughs> um, so I <laughs> want you to open your... Obedience is hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When obedience is hard, it's yeah. for sure. When it is hard to obey, it, and we all fall into that. Uh, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Mm -hmm. And as you're turning there, we'll, we'll pray. The birth story of Jesus. There we are. We're talking about the story of Christ. He came to this earth. So, Father, we do ask you that our hearts would be open to you. That your word, your living word, would do a work in us. And that you would give us the faith to obey, knowing that you're always good and your word is always true. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Amen. Well, we're going to take a look at a special uh, portion of the Christmas story. And we're going to go to uh, verse 18. Verse 18. Praise God. Now, this is it. Ready? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. After his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So Mary is engaged to a man named Joseph, but before they, uh, their marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, uh, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, chances are pretty much that you know about Mary. It seems like she gets all the attention. Everybody has a message about Mary, Mary. Yeah, but today we're going to talk about Joseph. And uh, this is really a most important part of Scripture. And, uh, you know, we're going to take a look to see what the Bible says about Joseph and how he lived his life. Out of all the characters in the Bible, he's, he's really the most, one of the most important persons and there's hardly anything said about yeah, him. About yeah, him. I think one of the reasons is because uh, Bible scholars uh, say that it appears that he didn't live out his natural expected life. And we'll find out uh, some of the things that kind of point in that direction. Uh, again, that's why there's not a whole lot said about him. And uh, there's really no sermons about Joseph. <laughs> But here's what we do know about him. And we know that he was a righteous and a faithful man. We know that he was a descendant of David. That's, that's the line in which the Messiah was to be born. Uh, we know that he was the husband of Mary. He was the earthly father of Jesus. And uh, anything outside of that, we don't really know too much about him. But those are some pretty good uh, qualifications. Uh, but we do know... Uh, that one moment of obedience in Joseph's life changed history and it's affecting you and I even right now. Yeah. We look at Joseph and we see him in scripture. Again, there's little said about him. I think the last time that we, there's something said about him is when Jesus came from the temple when he was 12 years old. Remember that story that he stayed in Jerusalem and they went on a journey and came back and they gave him uh, a tongue lashing. <laughs> but every mother would understand. Every dad would understand too. Uh, but most scholars say that uh, he probably died early. And that's why some of the reasons they say is because uh, uh, Jesus stayed at his house, in his mother's house, till he was 30 years old. And there weren't any video games back then, so he didn't stay in the basement playing video the whole time. <laughs> but it was tradition that uh, a man would stay at his mother's house if she was a widow till he was 30 years old. And we know that that's when Jesus broke out and started his public ministry. Um, we also know that when Jesus was on the cross... Uh, Mary was there, and the disciple that Jesus loved, John, was there, and he told John, this is your mother, meaning I'm leaving her into your care, you take care of her. So this is another reason why we declare and believe that uh, Joseph didn't live out his full life. We believe that Mary was a widow. Yeah. And then in the story, you know, Mary, they believe, would have been in her teen years. Right. And a virgin, think about it. She comes to Joseph and she says, I'm pregnant. You know, and when he hears this news, try to imagine what he's thinking. He knows he hadn't been with her intimately. Right. And he would have just been devastated, like thinking beyond measure, like what? Are you telling me? Mm -hmm. You know, and even more so when you think about first 
that, that century in Jewish culture, when you got engaged, the proposal wasn't, the proposal was equal to a marriage agreement, a legal agreement. Right. It wasn't like what we sort of think about. People get engaged now, and it's sort of this, you know, Instagram moment, save the date moment, you know, where there's a photo, and <laughs> look what's going to happen to me in the future, and then sometimes people break off the engagement. This was like a legal mm -hmm. uh, agreement. So when a couple became engaged in that Jewish culture, they were technically married already. And they weren't allowed, it was just that they weren't allowed to consummate the marriage until they had that public ceremony right. together. So when we read, you know, that they were engaged, again, it was like think, thinking about they were already married. So Mary coming to Joseph and saying that she's pregnant insinuated she, that she would have had sexual relations with another man. And this would have just been a, like a life-ruining scandal yeah. for both of them, for her and for him. It was considered such a horrible sin that in Deuteronomy 28... Or Joseph, 22. Or, or 22, yeah. Joseph had the legal right to actually have her publicly stoned. This was how... Mm -hmm. This would have been on his mind. Like, what, you know, are we going to do about this? So he's, he's, he's in a bad situation. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is not a good thing. It's kind of a terrible position. Here's the woman of his dreams, if you will... Uh, had apparently betrayed him. And so what, what do we know about Joseph? We know that he was a just and said and righteous man. Look yeah. at this scripture in verse 19. He didn't want to shame her, it said. Pretty awesome. And you just completely ruined her life. And so verse 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, which means he was righteous and good, not willing to make her a public example. There which is really what the law would have said to do, had in mind to just divorce her privately. So he thought about breaking the engagement and do what it would take to just make it quiet. Yeah. And here's a key thought about Joseph. It's that he didn't realize that at his lowest moment was going to be one of his most holy moments. Yeah. He didn't realize that at his lowest moment it's going to be one of his most holy moments. That's something that we can write on our own hearts. Amen. Let's go to verse 20. But while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For he who is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's thinking about breaking off the engagement. It would have been like a divorce in, in our time. But the angel appears to him in a dream, and it says, Son of David, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now, before we take a look and see what Joseph did, let's, let's take a look at what he didn't do. <laughs> Joseph didn't think, well, that was a crazy dream. I, I shouldn't have had all that pizza before I went to bed. <laughs> and then, or maybe he would say, wait a minute. I'm going to stake my reputation, my whole life, on a dream? Yeah. On a dream? He didn't argue with no, he didn't argue with God. <laughs> he didn't negotiate with God either. He didn't say, well, before I say yes... 
well, give me a rundown of what's to happen. What am I supposed to be doing? What should I do? And where's this and what is going on with that? He didn't do that, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't negotiate with it. He didn't fight back and said, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. You know what? Maybe if you put, bring 10 angels to me and have them right in the sky, take Mary as your wife. This is God speaking. <laughs> he didn't do that, did he? No. Look, take a look at verse 24. He hears this. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And then Joseph, being awakened from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and remained with his wife. Joseph woke up and he did as the angel commanded. Took Mary as his wife. You know, if there's ever going to be a statement that's going to be that you'd want to be true about yourself is that you obeyed the commandment of God. I did what God asked me to do. That would be just amazing on your tombstone. <laughs> that we were obedient ourselves. And we didn't have to get all the details about what was going to happen. We were like Joseph. Yeah. And he... Joseph really proves that out really well, that you don't have to understand everything completely before we begin to just say, yes, Lord, I'll obey. You don't need to know every single detail and all the ducks. And we like this, though. How many of us don't want to know the five-year plan? It makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah. Put all the ducks in a row, Lord, so I could just look at everything and know how it's all going yeah. to make natural sense. Because most of us live by the natural mind. You know, we judge everything by our five senses and then when it makes sense, we think it through. And, you know, so we need that. Of course, you need logic. But we are people who are meant to walk by faith. Yes. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. That's a whole flip-flop of understanding of how we make a decision. So our obedience is based on what we know God is saying to yes. us through the word. And sometimes we've got to learn to shut off the natural what about, what about, what about? And go, I'll just obey because God is saying it. So Joseph is such a great example of that. Uh -huh. You know, that if you, and I think what happens is if we, if we know that God is the one who's speaking to mm -hmm. us, that he's prompting you, that's really all that we need. Right? Can I hear an amen? I mean, if it's yeah. God, you, should we not be able to trust? Yes, master. <laughs> like, what do I know compared to what he knows? Ask Job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yet when you think about all the things that Joseph didn't know, and uh -huh. he didn't know, he didn't hardly have any information at all. How could he have known? Think about the details of the things that he didn't know. He didn't know that after nine months of Mary being pregnant, that Herod would issue a decree that everybody had to go to Bethlehem to have a census taken. Yeah. And then to do that, they were going to have to make like an almost a hundred mile journey on a donkey. Think about it. She's eight, nine months pregnant. It's yeah. hard for us to drive in a car, you know, ladies. <laughs> Look out for the bumps. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember doing that yeah. when I was... <laughs> ready to give birth to Ben. It was like he was driving us to the, to the hospital and it felt like he hit every bump in the road. You know, it was like, stop! Like, did you miss the, you know, all these... He's like, I'm, I'm hardly going over anything. I think about Mary riding on a donkey oh. over rough roads and sleeping out under the stars. There you go, yeah. 
He didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> he didn't know that the baby then would be born in a barn, basically, next to farm animals. Well, there you go. Or that Herod then would eventually issue a decree that all children, all boys under two years of age would be murdered yeah. and killed. And that their baby would be kept in safekeeping. Mm -hmm. and, and pondering these things, knowing that this child is the reason that crazy Herod made that horrible decree to murder because he wanted to murder, of course, the Christ child. Right. Think about what he was going through with that. Joseph had no idea the weight it would carry to raise the son of God as your child. And he didn't have any details. Wow. God did not, the, the, the angel just said, do this. And the, the other dream is take the child and go to Egypt mm -hmm. and just go. You don't know what's going to be there. It's a lot like Abraham, just yeah. pick up and go to a land that I will show you. And when you take that first step, then God begins to show you more. But we often just sit there and go, I won't do it until you show me all. And then we just, we have this holdout with God. And guess who always wins? <laughs> <laughs> you can sit there your whole life and he's like, I'm waiting on you, girl, or I'm waiting on you. Guys. Yeah, you said it before. Yeah. Just think about all the times we didn't obey and what God could have yeah. done. Without knowing, yeah, right. Yet he obeyed. And this is how it's going to apply to you and me. At some point, God's going to speak to you. Yep. And he has already. If you've come to church, or you've come to this church, I know the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Yep. As you, as you hear, he's speaking to you now. Yes. He'll speak to you maybe through his word when you're reading his word. And he's going to prompt you by his spirit to do something or say something or give something. Yeah. And you're not going to know all the details. Why do I have to do this? <laughs> How is the rest of this going to go? Like maybe, for instance, you're going to be dating somebody mm. that you know is not God's best for your life. And you go to church and you hear a message. And some, some of the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. And suddenly you realize, I should not marry this person. And the Holy Spirit kind of has given you this breakup message in your heart. But your mind begins to examine all the details. Why? Come on. What's all this going to mean? We've been together for so long. And how will this work out? And no. And well, if I let go, well, then what? And, and so God prompts you to do something mm. that goes against your natural desires. Come on. What do you do? What yeah. do you do? I mean, or, or maybe God's like been stirring you to use your, use your gifts. Yeah, serve one another in the church. You know, listen, but here's the important thing. We don't go to church. We are the church. Yeah, we are the church. Okay. Hello? We're the, we are the church. We are all gifted yeah. by God. You are an important, every one of us is an important part of the body of Christ. We're all valuable. We all have work to do. And God is calling us all to be a working, functioning part of the body of Christ. We're not just watching to see what the kingdom of God does. No, we're making it happen. Amen. You are help being the church. You are bringing the kingdom of God wherever you go. Yeah. This is really important. But then what happens here, like Pastor Mimi said, now our natural logic comes in and overrides the Holy Ghost logic by saying, well, I'm too busy. I, I have so much to do. I, I, you know, I've I got to be on Facebook a couple hours today. <laughs> I mean, come on, jeez, I don't feel like it, maybe next month I can do this, and 
you know, or God might be dealing with you to be generous. I mean, God is a giver. You, we talked about this. You know, he's, he might be prompting you to give something that's valuable to you to another person in the congregation or somewhere you know. Yeah, the blessing. Yeah, or he's going to ask you to start tithing. You know, this is really important. But you think, God, you know, things are really tight. Did you see what the gas prices are, Lord? <laughs> Did you know my stocks are down? You know, it's just this is ridiculous, Lord. And, you know, the food prices. Do you know what eggs cost? <laughs> you. And food is going up. It's going up. It's, but God is prompting you. He is. And, and, you know, he's prompting you. And the best thing we can do is to obey. Amen? Yeah. Or maybe yeah. somebody betrays you no yeah you know there we god's go. word pierces your heart about forgiveness that we are to forgive as christ forgave us and you have a choice to make yes it may be hard but god's prompting you and i would encourage you to remember that obedience is this is our part we are partners oh, with god god waits on us we are our response is obedience and then god we leave the rest to the lord Amen. So when you know it's God who's prompting you, that's really all the detail you need to obey. Come on. This is what I've learned in my life. It's like, if, in other words, the authority and the weight that God's prompting carries on the inside of you is to be enough to say, well, if it's the Lord speaking, yeah. I, I, what are we supposed to be doing? We bow our knee to the Lord. Amen. We're not to fight the Lord. We're to say yes. So when we know it's the Lord speaking to us, our only choice really, if we want our path to go straight, is to say yes, Lord, to learn to say yes. And Lord. everybody said? Yeah. Because yeah. he leads us, it says, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's a good path. Amen. We tend to think if we resist and do our own thing, we're getting our way and something is going to be good. But in the end, you know, I guess after walking a lot of years with the Lord and you, mm -hmm. you start looking back on your own life of where you obeyed and you realize, wow, like if I didn't obey there, that wouldn't have happened right. here. And then you start piecing together, realizing all these opportunities that you have to obey are going to actually start to straighten out and make your path better and brighter. Come on. So we're wise when we say, yes, Lord, yeah. and yeah. not just give it, you know, a, a bunch of natural thought. And so I believe that God does speak to us and prompts us, prompts his people to say and do and say give of our yeah. life far more than it seems or, or that we would even admit to. Mm. I, and there really are so many Christians because we have so much good teaching out there now. Amen. And if you just apply yourself and listen, you can listen all day and all night and all day and all night and listen and listen and listen some more. <laughs> but there are so many Christians, I think, that are kind of way educated beyond oh. their level of obedience. I think you need to say that again. That might step on your toes, but I heard, I heard a preacher say that probably 30 years ago. Uh -huh. He said, I asked my congregation one day, you're like, are you, are there, here's another message for you, but did you do what the Lord was saying to do last week? Yeah. Like, we can't just fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up. And so, you know. <laughs> feed our, me, feed me, give yeah, me some more, right? feed me, we feed can me. Be, 
In other words, we have a lot of head knowledge. Yeah. You know, you all know, if you've been coming here for a few months, you know enough already, and you've been prompted by the Holy Spirit yes. already. I'm, I'm positive of it, because he loves you, and he wants his plan to unfold in your life. Amen. But it takes steps of obedience to just break through the barrier of what the old was and I'm used to that and this seems weird well we're walking by faith now. come on so it's going to seem a little unsure but join the club this is what it's about yeah our father so, Abraham did yeah so most of us I'd say don't I mean I believe me we're all for Bible knowledge amen in that sense. But when I say this, I'm saying like most of us don't really need to know more. Like I need to know more, know more, know more. We need to do more. Come on. This is up on the screen. We need to be more obedient to what God's already said. We need to do more of what we already know. Yes. Like if you would take some notes when you come in every Sunday and write uh, just two things, one thing down. What did the Holy Spirit say to me today? Yes. What could I apply in my life today? We need to do more of what, see, you know something already. And then we need to be more obedient to do what God has already said. It starts to get easy when you think about it. Yes. Sometimes, well, I don't hear from God. I don't, maybe you are hearing from the Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's Just like, do what he told you yeah. before, and then the next step opens up. Yes, and it starts really with obedience to just his revealed will, yes. his word. This is the best most trustable way to know how to hear from God. Yes. We, we read his word. It's pretty plain what he says. You can't mistake what he's saying here. Because sometimes people go by feelings. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Well, if it, it, it must bear witness with yes. the word of God. If you feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you something, it should bear witness with already what revealed truth is. This is how we know that we're following yeah. a straight path with the Lord. And so it starts, our obedience just starts with reading the Word of God. Without, we don't have to know a lot of the other details, but I, you know, I could pretty so much true. guarantee you, if you make a practice of reading the Word of God, one chapter, you could just say, Holy Spirit, help me apply this in my life. He'll show you. Yep. Some, some simple thought will come through your head. It could be something about how you say, how you treat your spouse or what you do with a neighbor or you know, anything. It could be anything that he tells you. You need to smile more and be more friendly. So, something really simple. But you, we've, got to, we've got to obey God, trust him with the results. That's living by faith, yeah, folks. Right. It's living by faith. And, and Joseph, he didn't have the details, just like what Pastor yeah. Mamie would say. Well, he didn't know that you're going to be on a trip going to Bethlehem. He didn't know that Herod was going to kill him. He didn't know that he had to live in Egypt. But this is what we've got to do. Let's go back to verse 20 here. You're still right there in Matthew chapter 1. Yeah. Second part of uh, verse 20. Well, this is awesome. For he who is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you should call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's a great place to stand up and say, that's good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> that's why God sent Jesus to us. 
So to save us from our sins, the penalty that was coming, the child within Mary was of the Holy Spirit, conceived of the power of the Holy Spirit. Why does that matter? It matters everything, everything. Because if it was just the seed of a man, if it was just the seed, the natural seed of Joseph, then that sin nature would have been passed into the Christ. Mm-hmm. That sin nature passed and started from Adam and Eve and is spread to every single person except Jesus Christ. He lived a sinless life. He was perfect in all his ways. That's why he could go to the cross and pay for your sins and my sins, the whole world's sins, because he was pure. He was perfect. He was sinless. That is good preaching. (laughs) I get excited about, man, I'm happy because my sins are forgiven. Are you kidding me? My sins are forgiven. You ought to be walking and dancing about two feet above everybody else. Then why are you so happy? My sins are forgiven. Yours can be too. Yeah, right. What is your sin? Your sin is not too great. You know what? I need grace. You need grace. I need forgiveness. You guys need forgiveness. There's no sin too great for the grace of God to cover by the power of Jesus' blood. Amen? Amen? No way. I need this grace. I need this forgiveness. But Jesus paid it on the cross for me and for you. If you've got Christ, if you surrendered your life to him, you are free from the penalty of sin. Praise God. Your sins are forgiven. The angel said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. But Joseph knows there's going to be a significant cost to him culture of that day mm-hmm. you know sure go tell your parents well the child's uh, um, <laughs> well the whole God did it <laughs> yeah right. oh that helps so much Joseph yeah. yeah his whole town you know what he knew there was going to be a cost he was willing to pay the cross. He was. Nobody's going to understand that until we did. <laughs> Praise God for that. He's going to face opposition. Opposition. Do you know when you start to obey God, you're going to face opposition. Yep. Come on. When you take God's direction, you're going to have opposition. It might be through people. It might be through your own family. It might be through a demonic spirit. But every time you obey, you're going to meet with yeah. some type of opposition. It might even be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Come on. Yourself is right. I mean, when we think back as we were writing these, this message in our own life, if we look at the most significant things that we feel like we've ever done, for God in obedience, mm-hmm. there was definitely spiritual opposition. It came through people, yeah, you know, family. not agreeing or understanding it, or circumstances that the enemy would bring your way to, ha- to make your heart want to just be dissuaded. Maybe this is going to be too hard. And I don't know. I need more understanding and, of, of what's going to happen. And, and we were thinking back, like from the very first time, Jeez. we just first sensed the call to follow God in a, in, according to his word, because we had gone to church all yeah. of our life, but we were never really taught 
the anything Bible, about a Bible. You know, it was just more formal worship. And but we, you had read the Bible, but we never went to a church that taught you that this is the Word of God. Live your life by it. Yeah. So this, never when heard we that. began to first sense this call to follow God that way, and we didn't know He was going to call us into full time ministry. Nope. We didn't know any of those details. But looking back. You know, there were so many moments that we realized, just moments of simple obedience. Yes. That led us to where we are today, standing up here with a church and a congregation. And I, back in 1989, I was a registered nurse working full-time. And I wanted at that point to stay home and be a full-time, stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Our kids, Pastor Ben was like eight years old and Hannah was three but it just seemed impossible. Right. I want you to put yourself in that place. You have two full-time incomes. My income was a good income as a nurse in that was day. was better than mine. And it was like, uh, I really want to, I feel like almost God is prompting us, me to do this. And I want to do it, but it's impossible to do it. How do you go down to one income whenever you have your budget based on two incomes, mm -hmm. right? And then we began to hear some preaching about... Mm, Money. Money. Like trusting God with your money. How it was to like, handle it God's way. Yeah. We were learning that the Bible speaks a lot actually about money and that God has a lot to mm -hmm. say about how you handle your money so that your money is blessed. And so this perked our ears. It was like, we've never really heard anything like this. It was actually a whole new thought, yes. to tell you the truth. A new way of thinking about money. And at that point, when we went to church, we were nominal givers because, yeah. you know, they passed the basket and we would put in a $10 bill or a 20 and I don't know. If we we were never taught. taught. We were never taught. So it was like, well, I gave something, but I didn't understand anything more about giving according to anything that the Bible teaches about partnering yourself yes. and what God has to say about money. And then we began to hear uh, about tithing yes. and giving God first fruits. Because the Bible speaks of this. Old Testament, it begins in the Old Testament. Before uh, the law. Before the law. And, you know, about not the leftover. So it wasn't like, well, if I pay all my bills and then yeah. I have, you know, $5 left over when I go to church, I'll drop the five in. The whole way of thinking was changed. It was like, no, wait, 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 wait. If you're making this much God is saying, give 10% to me, and you use the 90%, the rest, and then I'll bless the whole 100, okay? And I'll make it stretch, and he made it stretch, oh I'm telling you. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And it was amazing what began to happen when we heard this scripture. We're going to put it up on the screen, Malachi 3. You're in Matthew. Just go a few pages toward the front of your Bible. Yeah, it's called back. Malachi. Just go a couple back. A couple pages back. She likes to do that. Back. <laughs> it's more logical Revelation is the back of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Malachi 3, 8. Yes, yeah, we'll start there. Heart. We, were, we were all in for God. We really did. And then we, discovering what God said about money blew us away. This is what he says. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. The whole nation for you're robbing me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Then test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. 
I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground and the vines in your field will not fail to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, God was prompting us and then it was going back to the same thing. Okay, she's stopping work. We're down to one income. Are we going to obey this? Yeah. We decided, yes, we're going to obey it. We actually... The fear of God came into us, and it was a good fear of God. It was to a place where, oh, man, the first thing we thought is, I'm so far behind, I can't believe it. <laughs> and, and, and so everything we had, the, the savings account, everything, we tithed off that. We wanted to catch up yeah. <laughs> best we could. Because you know what? I'm going to test God in here. He, he himself says, test right. me. Yeah. And we wanted to have his blessing on our finances and I'll tell you what, God was faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Faithful. Yes. He I, was faithful. And I did, I did leave that position. Yep. And we never missed a payment on anything. That's right. It, you know, and then it, it was a couple years after that that we felt the call to go in, to, into full-time ministry. I mean, this was, there's a lot of detail to yeah. this. But again, it was a, the ministry school was halfway across the United States, and you're going to go for a couple of years. And so it was like, oh. What? How could we do this? How would we support ourselves? You know, all the natural thinking came in. The prompting was there, quite obvious and strong. But it was all these questions. How are you going to move your family across? Oh, did we get it from our and, parents? And what about your kids? Are your kids going to yeah. just kind of flip out and like, I don't want to leave school and I don't know where we're going. And, and what about our home? At that point, we, we owned a home. We had a mortgage. You know, what are we going to do with our home? Are we going to mm -hmm. have to sell it? And We know, would be our, willing to sell it. Our subtle opposition, you know, was coming from our families. Like, you're thinking of doing what? <laughs> like, you guys are going off the deep end. Like, settle down. <laughs> you know, you're going to... Lost your mind over the Bible. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit, the prompting, the desire to go, I remember just being in tears one day in our kitchen as I was hearing something on the, on the radio about this school, and it was like, oh, what is happening to me? I think we're, we were, we're supposed to go here, and yep. uh, the Holy Spirit didn't give us any more details. It was just, will you go? Right. Will you go? And so every night we went to bed in the morning, someone had said, just ask the Holy Spirit in the morning first thing. Should we go? Are uh, yes you, or no, not, Yes or no, yes, yes or, or no. no. And it seemed as though we had this consistent over a week of yes. The answer in the morning was like, because, you know, sometimes when you get up in the morning before your brain is all filled with all kinds <laughs> of stuff, your subconscious mind is like in tune. And that's really where your spirit is. It's uh -huh. like God could speak to you easier. Yep. And it just seemed like yes. And then it was like, but how? <laughs> well, you know, then all the rest of the day, how will this ever happen? And, but he, he, we thought, well, he showed us we were supposed to not sell our house, but rent our house. And that was supernatural. How you know? that but happened. how do you walk away from your home that you've been fixing up? I mean, we've had it for some years. We thought it was like a beautiful home for a couple of years. It was like, Lord, am I going to come back to holes in the wall? Is somebody going to burn it down? Like, how, do, how are we going to rent our house and just move away? And still it seemed like God just didn't give any more details. Nothing. It was just all you could tell is, trust me. Trust me. And then when we were beginning, if we were ready to leave, we planned the U-Haul to take us out at the end of August of, in the early 90s. Right. And we still hadn't had a renter. 
two weeks before we were it was leaving. Like a couple, yeah, it was like, Lord, you know, we say God's the God of the midnight hour, like he's the, <laughs> he like takes you to the end. It was like, well, he's telling us to go. He must have a plan some, because it seemed like whoever wanted to rent it, it just wouldn't be a suitable person. Right. And lo and behold, uh, at the time I, I had gone, I had worked at the hospital on the evening shift on the recovery unit, and we brought this up last week. About Chuck, Chuck, who was his sponsor, my sponsor, I happened to run. I was taking the patients out to an AA meeting, and ha- who did I run into? But Chuck, it's and like, he'd been away for years. Yeah, and he said, "Oh, I'm stationed back. He's in the military. They they called me back here for a two year assignment, and I'm looking for a house to rent." It was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> Ta-da! Well, let's yeah. just say that as soon as he came the next day, he's like, I'll take it. Yeah. He was like, Lord, how do you do these things? And so he provides ways. It's like yes. steps of obedience. God pieces it together for us. Correct. And then, you know, I mean, we had after ministry school, whenever we had, uh, we had actually gone to the Victory Family Church, which is in Cranberry. We stayed there for 10 years. Yep. Uh, there was a time there where God was telling the he was telling the congregation he had a word. There was a, a missionary from a, Africa. Yeah, a missionary. Yeah, and just, uh, the word came and said, and, and he, Pastor John, stood up and said, "I just got a word from God. If 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 we would help them pay off their mortgage, then God would supernaturally pay off the people who's who was in on this." your mortgage would be paid off. So what we did, we we knew that was it us. It prompted us. See, that was like a holy moment. We felt like Correct. we heard that. It was like, we're going to do this. So we doubled our tithe, and the other part was going directly to their mortgage. And I think it was about a year.